Parshas B'Shalach. We all know already that the children of Yaakov were in Mitzrayim for 210 years. And it was there that this small family of 12 brothers developed into one great nation. And because they didn't have any territory to divide among themselves, they were primarily in the area of Goshen and couldn't spread out and settle into separate districts. We would have therefore expected that they should have lived together as one people, the Am B'nai Yisrael. Lahavdil, like they say in America, one nation under God. That's what, what, that's what we would have anticipated. And yet what do we see? That the developing nation of the children of Yaakov remained 12 separate Shavatim. For more than two centuries, they maintained the boundaries. Everybody knew his Shevet and identified primarily with his own tribe. Everyone knew where they belonged. For 200 years, they didn't give up their individual identity. Yehuda remained Yehuda, Ruvain remained Ruvain, and Shimon was Shimon. And that's a remarkable thing, because it was in Mitzrayim that they were supposed to grow into one unified nation. And therefore, we should study that. It's a strange thing, and it deserves a great deal of attention. Imagine that for 210 years, Jews lived in America. Let's say in 1776, some Jews came to America from Germany, and others came from Spain. Some immigrated from England and the Turkish Jews also arrived on the shores of America. So by the time 210 years would pass, by the time 1986 would come, halavai, they should still remain Jews. But that they should be seg- remain segregated into strict boundaries, separate people living separate lives? Such a thing couldn't even be imagined. It's one nation and the different families and nationalities would all be amalgamated after a while. They would merge together and the boundaries would just disappear. And why not? After all, we're all Jews. One tribe of Oivdei Hashem. And yet we see that in Mitzrayim it wasn't like that. Not only did they remain Jews, but they retained their status as separate Shavatim. So you'll say maybe it was something temporary, something reserved for their stay in Mitzrayim. When they were still a growing family of different brothers and not yet a unified nation. But when they would come out of Mitzrayim, so now they're a full-fledged nation already. So who needs this segregation anymore? And yet surprisingly, what we find is that was, that was the permanent plan of Hashem for the Am Yisrael. It was his conspicuous policy to maintain the individual identity of each tribe. We see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu insisted there should be separate Shavatim, even when they came out of Mitzrayim. We find that in our Parsha. And they came to Elim, and there were 12 springs of water, and they encamped there near the water. Now, if the Torah goes out of its way to tell us the number of springs, then the number 12 is not superfluous. 12 springs? That wasn't an accident. That was Hashem's plan from the days of Maaseh Breshis. They didn't dig the springs on their own. This was the hand of Hashem guiding His people in the way He wanted for them. So we'll understand that the springs of much-needed fresh water in the parched desert was the preferred place for people to gather. Everyone needs water after all, and therefore there is no doubt that it was the plan of Hashem to have separate springs for each of the twelve Shavatim. The plan of Hashem was segregation. The Ruveni should, sp- should spend their time with the Ruveni. The Shimoni should spend their time with Shimoni and so on and so forth. And we're told about it. The separation is emphasized, more than emphasized. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu made sure it would remain that way always. Because when you learn Torah, if you pay attention to the Pesukim, you'll note that this wasn't an isolated incident. It was no aberration. You see a very clear thing that is that, that this is how the Am Yisrael always lived in the ancient times, as distinct and divided Shivatim. You remember when they came to receive the Torah at Har Sinai? Everyone knows what the Torah says. And the nation encamped there opposite the mountain. And Chazal are bothered by the word Vayichan. And he encamped in the singular. And they say that the nation made camp like one man with one heart, Raji. However, even there we find something very queer. They all encamped together like one man with one heart. And yet Moshe Rabbeinu, Alpi Hashem, had different plans for them. When they were about to receive the Torah, it says that Moshe built 12 matzevis, one for each of the 12 Shavatim. Moshe built not one Mizbeach, at the foot of the mountain, but he built, he built, he built 12 matzevas for each one of the shivatim separately. That was what HaKadosh Baruch Hu insisted on at Kabbalah Satoyda, 12 separate standing stones. Now that's very strange. Why was it necessary? They're all coming to receive the Torah together like one man with one heart. What's the problem with that? Let them come together as one nation. I'll tell you something else that always bothered me. You know that the coin Gadol carried always on his chest the Choshen, the breastplate. And on the breastplate he had 12 precious stones, each one distinguished from the next, separate colors, set off from each other in separate settings. And on these 12 precious stones were engraved the names of the 12 Shavatim. The stones should be according to the names of the Bnei Yisrael, 12 according to their names, each man by his name. They should be for the 12 tribes. That's what Hashem wanted to see. That, in the Mishkan, each Shevet should remain separate. And it wasn't just the symbolic Choshen in the Mishkan. It was actually how they lived their lives in the Midbar. They lived in separate areas under different colored flags, each one distinguished from the next. They lived and traveled for 40 years, segregated from one another. Set boundaries. This Shevet here, this one here. There were no walls, but there were always, there were always clearly defined boundaries. And a bigger kasha. Even when they came to edit Israel, they should have become one great nation, but no. There were 12 tribes and each one got a separate territory. That's a queer thing. Throughout all the generations, the fact that they lived apart within separate boundaries caused them to have separate lifestyles. They all kept the Torah, but each one had minhagim that were different. Anshe Galil had this minhag. Anshe Yehuda had the different minhag. There were different traditions and separate minhagim. And in the course of time, many things became very deeply ingrained in them. It was like 12 different nations within one people. And for me, that's really a very big kasha. Why did there have to be separate shavatim when they settled down permanently in Eretz Yisroel? Now, Lahavil Elef Havdalas, when the English first came to America, so they settled here and there, they settled in Massachusetts and in Connecticut and in Virginia, not because of any reason that they wanted to remain separate. That's just how it came about. One colony settled here, one there. And after they settled, so in order to manage the collection of taxes, 
So the head government in England divided them into states. In each state, there was a tax collector, and they had separate offices for each state. But it was for the sake of convenience, not because there was any real difference between the states. They were all the same. All the Goyim are the same. Now it could be that in the course of time they, de- they developed certain dialects, certain differences, but L'Chadchila at the beginning, they had no intention of being different people. But L'Havdil Elif Havdolos, here it was Al-Pi Hashem. The land was divided according to the command, the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He wanted, he wanted his people to be separate. I don't know if it bothers you, but it bothers me very much. Now, why didn't they say we should all unite and be one people? Let's all be one people now. Why should we be broken up into 12 different tribes? Why did they need 12 Shavatim? They came out of Mitzrayim and now they're Amichad. They're one nation. Why keep separate Shavatim? And to my little head, that's a very big question. Why couldn't it be one country? That's what we would do if it would have been our little seichel making decisions. Now we have to understand, there are no accidents in this world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has planned these things that way. And it's a puzzle. And so we'll try to understand why, it, why is that? What is the purpose of Hashem over here? And so we'll say as follows, it's clear to us that the purpose of maintaining the individual status of each Shevet is because each tribe possessed its peculiar characteristics, which were its contribution to the general perfection of the Am Yisroel. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu insisted that each Shevet should maintain its identity and thereby contribute to the general perfection of the Am Yisroel as a whole. We get so many benefits from each Kehila because each group of Frumayidin brings something else to the table, some benefits for the Am Yisrael. Our nation wouldn't be the perfect nation it is if it wasn't for the variety of paths in the service of Hashem that make up our people. And that's exactly why HaKadosh Baruch Hu insisted on the 12 springs in Elim. Because those separate springs signified Hashem's plan to encourage each tribe to maintain its individuality. As they came to draw the much-needed water, each tribe frequented its own well and was therefore able to avoid being swallowed up by the others. Each group retained their individual identity. Now you have to know that the differences among the Shavatim was a model for what would persist throughout the entire history of the Am Yisrael. Even when some of the Shavatim went lost or became diluted one among the other in Gullus, we always remained a nation of different tribes, different ideals and attitudes, various preferences of path in service of Hashem. I'm frequently asked, what's the benefit of different types of servants of Hashem? Who needs Hasidim and Mitnagdim and Sfardim? Wouldn't it, have been, wouldn't it have been better off if we all walked together on one path towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So I always say, why is it that you'll find in the supermarket clover honey and orange blossom honey and buckwheat honey? There are at least 10 varieties of honey. Who needs it? And the answer is that it makes life more delectable. Variety is a pleasure. After all, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have given us nothing but red delicious apples. Let's say you'd pass a fruit stand 
and all you would see in bin, is bins and bins of red delicious apples. Now red delicious apples are a treat. We can't complain about them. But how much more fun is it when we have 10 different kinds of apples and even better, to have tens and tens of varieties of fruits. It's much more fun when you could choose from a wide variety of good things. And therefore, there are all kinds of methods of serving Hashem, each one that has been cultivated by Hashem himself, by the separation of the kehillus. Sometimes a person can choose one method and stick to it always. Or sometimes you could choose from the fruit store of the different shivatim. Sometimes you'll choose something from the, from the Ger. Another thing you'll take from Lakewood. Something you'll pick up from Lubavitch. Something you'll take from Bells. And something else you'll gnash, up, you'll gnash from Satmar. And so on. Every Shevet had something to contribute. You can be sure that there are a lot of delightful fruit in all of these various places that help the Am Yisrael in Etz Avoides Hashem. Everybody is helping out. Some kehillahs brought to the Am Yisrael the great benefits of Musr to the Am Yisrael, while other kehillahs brought Hasidis. From some communities we learn to be Kanaim, for, for the truth, and the others impress us with their Hasmada in Limud HaToyrah, or Gemilus Hasadim. I myself have learned from one group of Jews in Flatbush what it means to me Bechabit Talmidei Chachamim. Because there's no end to the variety of paths that the Am Yisrael walk toward the one Hashem. And there's what to learn from everyone. Now I'm not going to tell you what's best. Someone asked me, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want from me? Am I supposed to be Hasidish or Litvish or what? Now that's some big order. He wants me to make enemies. The one who asked me that question... Hashem wants you to be the best that you can be. Some people can be the best if they are Hasidish. Some people can be their best if they are Litvish. Other people can be their best if they are Sephardi. It's like asking, what is the best diet for all of mankind? The best type of diet depends on each individual person. People are different. Some people are so different that their diets are radically different. So whatever it is that you choose, you should make it a principle in your life to always choose whatever it is that will give you the most success in life. And success in this world means preparing for the next world. Everyone is right. And everyone is wrong. Nobody is perfect in this world. And most important is to live with the principle of knowing that we ourselves are not altogether right. And we have to do our best to improve. Although we don't have to adopt what everybody else does, and everyone should follow the customs and manners of his kehillah in the very best manner. Nevertheless, he should know that there are things to be learned everywhere. Even though you're a chosid, when you walk into Tel's yeshiva, you can learn good things there too. And if you're a Tel's bacher, go to Williamsburg. He can learn good things there. No question about it. Therefore, everyone should try to steal from others all the good things they can. Instead of going around and saying, well, I saw in this shtibl that they talk during davening, so it's not so bad. Or in, other place, or in the other place, they daven fast, so I can also daven fast. So this person goes around collecting all the wrong things from all the places. No, go around collecting all the good things from everybody. 
That's what they're there for. And that's the person who will succeed. That's what jealousy is for. Kina means to be koina, to acquire, to be jealous of all the good things that you find. Why is he saying along Shimon Esrei and not me? Why does he treat his wife so nicely and I'm so gruff? Why does he go out to learn at night and I'm still wasting away? And everybody should try to steal from everyone else all the good things that they find. That's our purpose, to acquire all the qualities that find favor in the eyes of Hashem. Because what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants of us is Shlemus, perfection. Shlemus in, no, in knowledge of the Torah. Perfection in knowing His ways. Perfection in recognizing Him in history and in nature. Perfection in character and self-control. And perfection in kindliness to our fellow man. Every form, of, every form of perfection that's possible for a person to emulate, to imitate, to steal from all sides, he should do that. And the various groups that make up the Am Yisrael have all of those things to offer. And so whenever a person comes into contact with people different than himself, other Shavatim, other Kehilas, whenever he sees anything good in the world, he should recognize that these differences are exactly what Hashem was cultivating in the Am Yisrael when he separated the Shavatim. And therefore, he should emulate whatever good he sees and decide that he wants to take it for himself. However, there is another subject altogether, maybe even more important, that is vital for understanding why Hashem insisted on the separation of the Shavatim. And we'll begin this subject with the following Gemara. The Gemara Brachas says that if you see a big throng of Jews, you have to make a special bracha. What's called Uchlusei Yisrael? 600,000 Jews. It's a zechiyah. Well, we're talking here about Jews who are shomrei toida. 600,000 shomrei toidas. Ah, it's an illumination of the mind. It's such a simcha that you're required to make a bracha on something like that. Now in that bracha, you mention a number of things. And among the things you say in that bracha is that in this big throng, no two of them have the same faces. It's a remarkable statement. The fact is that nobody has an exact replica of your face. Even twins are not exactly the same. And that's only the chisonius. Because even more than that, no two people have the same deus, the same minds. People have various characters, even Sadiqim, no two Sadiqim are the same. They think differently. When it comes to Datam, their ideas, their attitudes, it's a remarkable thing that even twins who look so much alike, they're actually very different from one another. It's a remarkable fact. If you look at a family, let's say you visit your cousins, or it could be your own family, it's remarkable how different the children are from each other. It's one of the surprising Nisim. From the same parents and yet brothers are so different from one another. Here you have one brother. He's handsome, he's graceful, he looks like a real Lord Fontenary. He's a beautiful boy, but a little bit sleepy, a little bit lazy. Now next to him is his brother. Not good looking, but a very good boy, full of energy. They look like two families, two different brothers entirely. They don't look alike at all. Maybe you'll find some resemblances in their nose. Their mother will always find some resemblance. But otherwise, they are entirely different. 
It's a remarkable fact. And sisters also. Sisters are very different from one another. Now, some people think maybe it's only their own family where this is a problem. He thinks that one of his brothers is too smart and his little brother is too dull. One is a Kanite and the other one doesn't care about anything. Maybe in other families it's better. But the truth is that is that, that it was this way in the best family as well. The Gemara Pesachim tells us when Yaakov Avinu was on his deathbed and his holy sons were standing around his bed. So he looked up at them and he was very much worried. They were all different, remarkably different. And that concerned him as he was about to leave this world. After he would pass away, what would hold of his children together? What would hold his children together? They're so different. And he wouldn't be around to hold them in place. And so we see that this peculiar fact, that is no accident. HaKadosh Baruch Hu intentionally made people different from each other. Nobody in the whole world has the same face. Their voices are not the same. Their thoughts are different. Their ideas, their desires. It's a remarkable thing. And so here, you have a man married to a woman, a fine woman, but he has a nose a little bit longer than she would like. She doesn't like such a long nose. And he doesn't like this or that. It gnaws at him. They don't like the same foods. And I'm mentioning some superficial things here only. There's much more than that, many more differences. I know all about it because my phone is constantly ringing. Don't ever expect when you get married that your wife will be like you. You will always discover that after all, she is a woman and you are a man. Women are a different nation. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Of course, we shouldn't try to emphasize the the diversity. Before you get married, it's best to look for somebody who eats the same kind of food that you eat, someone who comes from the same kind of background as much as possible. Of course, you should do that. There's no reason to make it more difficult. It's difficult enough as it is. But we have to know beforehand that no matter what, no matter what the Shadchan tells you, you're going to be surprised to find many more differences than you ever imagined. And so what we're seeing now is that no two people are the same. One brother is different than the next. Sisters can't agree on anything. Husbands and wives are different, are are from different nations. Every neighbor is different than the next. The Am Yisrael is a nation of various Shavatim. And so we have to wonder why is that? Wouldn't it be so wonderful, so beautiful if we all had the same noses? You'd be in love with your husband's nose. And if we were all, and if we all thought alike, ah, it would be a pleasure. Shalom Ali Yisroel. But no such luck. Nobody is the same. And so we see that there was some reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made all of us so different from one another. And we're going to learn now that the answer to this puzzle is actually one of the most vital opportunities for perfection in this world. Now to try to answer this puzzle, we'll first study a Pasuk in Kohelas. We read there, If somebody is still connected to the living, then there's still hope. Now that seems like such a simple and obvious statement that we're surprised that it's even made. That if you're still breathing, if you're still alive, then there's still hope for you to achieve something in this world. However, we'll note a superfluous word in the Pasuk. It says, Al He's connected to all the living. It could have said you're connected to the living. Why mention all the living? If you're among the living, 
there's still some hope for you. That's all. If the person is already in the cemetery, it's too late. And if he's still with the living, if he's still breathing, he can still accomplish something with his life. Why mention kol achayim, all the living? What we're beginning to see now is that all of these differences among ourselves that have been nurtured by Hashem throughout our history, the 12 springs in Elim are only one small example. They are there in order to test us. By means of the wide variety of our fellow Jews, we are provided with the great opportunity of getting along with people who are different than we are. And that's what Kohelis is telling us, that the one who still wants to retain some bitachon, some hope of accomplishing perfection in this world, it's only if he understands that he must be Yehubar el attached to all the living. Learning how to get along with all the different types, the black hats and the blue hats, the long coats and the short coats, the Polish Jews and the, and the, and the Hungarians, the Syrian Jews and the Persians, now, of course, if he's friendly to you, you'll like him. Or if he wears his payas like you do, or he shakes during davening like you do, so you'll like him, why not? If he's your type, if he's your shevet, it's much easier. But what will you do with the Am Yisrael in its totality, with all the from Jews who are your brothers? HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects you to have a certain attitude of affection, of love for the Am Yisrael on a whole. It's a mitzvah minat does it mean that this man right here, who is a good friend of yours, who thinks like you do, the means all of them. And that's why we have people in this world, in order to test us whether we'll choose to overcome our natural tendencies to shun those different than ourselves, and instead train our minds to Yechubar El Kol Hachaim, to feel connected to everyone. We are always being tested by the differences among people. The fact that some Jews say Burich and some say Baruch or Boruch is a test. You know that, don't you? Even the Shavuotim pronounce the words of Lashon HaKodesh differently. We see that in the Tanakh and there's no question that they used idioms peculiar, peculiar to themselves, ate different foods, dressed differently and thought differently. And it was the will of Hashem that the, that the differentiation should persist. And it did persist. The distinctive physical features and characteristics of each Shevet became emphasized by the inbreeding. And to the untrained eye, they appeared as different nations. Like the Gemara says in Pesachim, a man used to go around and say he loved the seashore. He loved the seashore. They began to investigate. Why are you talking so much about the seashore? And they found out he came, he came from Zvulun. Zvulun lived near the seashore and, he, and they loved it. It's a remarkable thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put into Zvulun a love for the sea. And therefore, they were a seafaring nation. They were sailors with boats and they loved the sea. Another man used to go around saying, judge my dis- dispute. That means wherever, whenever there was some case between him and a fellow man, he, didn't want, he did not want to arbitrate. He didn't want to make, make a, a, a peshara. No, let's go to the judge and let's hear what the judge says. Now he said it so many times. It was suspicious to people. So they searched after his pedigree and they found that he came from Dan. You remember what it says by Dan. 
Dan Dan was a strict fellow. He followed only the strict line of the law. There are people like that who are very strict with laws. They keep rules. Even little children sometimes are born that way. Some children are like that. They keep rules. It's their nature. Other children, not so much. Now, all of these character traits were planted in our nation by Hashem. After all, Don didn't follow the strict line of the law because he went to a university of law and read the law journals. It was a trait that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gifted with him. And Zvulun wasn't reading Boat Fishing Monthly or whatever magazine it is and teaching it in his heart or teaching himself to like the sea. No, it was a characteristic that Hashem placed in his heart. And by maintaining its own territory and its own identity, each tribe tended to marry among themselves and thereby maintain the characteristics that Hashem gifted them with. The character traits that were planted by Hashem and they therefore deserved to be cultivated. And therefore they remain different. Ruvain was very different than Dan and Zvulun. Naftali, Levi, Shimon, they all look different. They even made sure the Begadim were different. And they spoke a different language of Lashon HaKodesh. Their dialect was different. They lived separately. And they had different expressions. Each Shevet developed, developed different kinds of Melitzes and language. Different mal, Malbushim and Minhagim. So we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu put in the Shevatim different qualities. And the purpose was in order that they should all get together despite their differences. And when they would come up three times a year to Yerushalayim, it was supposed to be Chaveirim Kol Yisrael. They're all together as one family, despite everything that made them different. They were expected to achieve the perfection of Yechubar Es Kol El Kol Hachayim, El Kol Hachayim, despite the difficulties involved. But it wasn't an easy task. So when a person from Dan was passing by a boy from Yehuda and he saw him, he might have a Yetzirah to ridicule and say, Tati, look at that man, look at his funny clothing. So the father scolded his son, oh no, don't you laugh at him. He's our brother from the Holy Shevet of Dan. Have respect. Every Shevet is Kaddish. And when a boy of Shevet Ruvain said, look Abba, isn't that strange how this person from Ephraim is speaking a queer language? He can't pronounce the words. So the father said, shh, we don't talk that way. Shevet Ephraim is holy. It's a very holy tribe, he said. There are people, our brothers, and the Am Yisrael learned to overcome the Yetzir Hara of factionism, of machloikis, of partisanship. They learned to respect each other's customs and idiosyncrasies and train themselves to refrain from mocking or ridiculing the language, the clothing, and the manners of their brothers, of their brother tribes. They knew that Hashem favored these differences and that they were all tribes of Hashem. And so we're expected to learn from that, the lesson of how important it is to be connected to all of Qal Yisrael, because the many differences are there just for that, to give us the opportunity to train ourselves to respect each other's idiosyncrasies. These have this way, these have this way of talking and that way of dressing and even minhagim. As mentioned, in Galil, they had certain minhagim, while in Yehuda, they did the opposite, other minhagim. And the Am Yisrael had to get used to respecting the different minhagim of their fellow Jews. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to give us the great opportunity of perfection. The, the perfection of Yechubar El Kol HaChaim. Hashem wants us to struggle to be Yechubar to all those who are living, El Kol HaChaim, to feel an affection for all the different types. We are expected to overcome the tendency to break up into factions in our minds. That's a Yetzir Hara, to actually feel that we are different factions. Now that's a very big Nisoyen, by the way. To retain the individuality that Hashem wants, and yet to feel attached with an actual affection to every from Jew, it's a very big test. Now, of course, there will always be dissension because each one has his own mind. Each one is working towards a principle. When a principle is involved, you can't just yield. You know, when bums get together in a bar and they have a dissension, so they can make peace more readily. They could unite with ease because what they are fighting about, what are they fighting about already? It's nothing after all. Whereas, whereas people who have principles can't unite. That's why you find Lubavitcher go their way and Satmar go their way. And the Lakewood go, and, the, and the other Litvishes, Yeshivas, don't go on either of those ways. The Litvisha go their own way and the Sephardim walk a different path. And Chaz Vesholem, that they should become united in their principles. Chaz Vesholem. Because if so, all principles would die out. Each one tries to serve Hashem according to the way he understands best. And each one respects and loves the other one just because of that. You know, when Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai argued, nobody ever said, come on boys, let's just settle down and come on an agreement. What's the use of arguing over nothing? No, it's not nothing. It's everything. It's the most important thing to argue about. There is nothing else, else worth, worth arguing about except how to serve Hashem. And each one sought to serve Hashem in the best way. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu intended that. It was no accident. From the beginning it was all planned, each Shevet, each Kehila, with its own ways because of the great opportunities for perfection it affords us. Because that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us. The shlemus of learning to get along with those who are different from you. You know, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought the Lubavitch Rebbe, the previous one, Zichron al-Vracha to America, it wasn't an accident. Now we think that he came here in order to bring back people to Yiddishkeit. And it's true. He was a machzir b'tshuva. A lot of people. But that's not the whole truth. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought the Sad Marav, Zichron al-Vracha to America, people think it was for the purpose of helping rebuild Hasidus in Williamsburg. They were, they were the Ud Mutzel Meish, people who went through concentration camps, dejected people, broken families, ruined men and women, and he encouraged them to marry again and to have children, and he almost single-handedly built up a big kehila. So people saw that he was sent by a Kadosh Baruch Hu to be Matzil, a very great kehila, and he did. We can't thank the Sadmer Rav enough for what he did for America. But that's not the whole truth. We have to realize something that we don't like to realize. There was another great benefit that Hashem wanted to bring, wanted by bringing various Kehillas together. And that's the fact that the Lubavitcher Rebbe came to America to help the Satmar Kehillah. And the Satmar Rav came to America to help the Lubavitcher Kehillah. You understand that it's two separate Kehillahs. They can't even talk together. Their language is different. It's hard to understand what the Sadmer are saying if you're not accustomed to their language. And they have different minhagim. I'm not talking only about Toyota minhagim. 
They have different minhagim even in eating, how they eat, what they eat. Many things are different about them. These are litvakers. The Lubavitcher Hasidim are mostly litvakers. They speak a litvish Yiddish. And the Sadmer come from Hungary and places like that. It's a different language. So what did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He said, I can't let them remain that way. To be so separate that they never see each other and never learn to get along despite their differences, that's a failure. I want them to get a shleimus. So I'll bring them to America. I'll bring the Babavar and the Litvakers together and the Syrians and the Persians too. I'll bring them to one place so that they should continue to stand strong in their principles so that they should see the differences between them and retain those differences. And yet at the same time, they should get along with each other and love one another. The Machloikis is a great benefit for them, a great opportunity for perfection. Because no matter how important are the principles that they stand for, and they must stand their ground, but all of them have the same HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the same Torah. And the end will be that maybe they'll intermarry too, they'll dance together at weddings, it might take some time, a generation or two generations, but the perfection of being loyal to their principles at the same time as feeling a deep affection to one another will come. At the end, you'll see that they'll live together and each one will gain a perfection that he could never have gotten otherwise. If you would sit in Satmar in Europe all your life and you would stew in your own juice, you'd never have any opposition. You'd never see people with different minhagim. So you're not being tested and you're not being perfected. It's the opposition that makes you great. When you're sitting in your own base medrash, but you come into contact with someone who has a different rebbe and, a different, and different ways, that is your opportunity for greatness. And sometimes it's not even important things. It's little things that bother you. His yarmulke is this way and your yarmulke is a different way. Maybe your hat is round and his, his hat is bent over. You don't like that. A bent down hat, you can't stand. You're angry at it. And when he sees your round hat, he thinks you look like a Balgaiva. What does he, what does he think he is, a Rebbe? And so there's friction. Their hats are different. Their faces are different. And their ideals are also different. And with all that, they overcome those petty things like hats and yarmulkes and coats. And they say, I choose to be a Yechubar El Kola Chaim to all of the various from Jews because it's all just a test. And I'm going to pass that test and make myself more and more perfect every day. Now all this is easier said than done. But once we begin to understand how important this avoida is, so we begin to realize that this is one subject on which it pays to concentrate because it's easy to say, get along with people. But it's not always easy to do. You have to have some motivation and that's an important subject on which we should concentrate for a few minutes. So the question is, how do you start working on that in order to fulfill this mitzvah from the Torah? Bahafta is a klal gadol ba It's a very great rule of the Torah that you should have a feeling of love, of actual affection for your fellow Jews. But how do we do it? How can we learn to love our fellow Jews? Notice that I'm not saying your fellow man. Forget about fellow man. Your fellow Jew. Fellow Jew means only your fellow observant Jew. The Rishayim we leave out. 
people who are shoyman mitzvahs like you are, the Avdei Elokei Avicha, all the servants of Hashem, that's the Am Yisrael. And I'm stressing that point because that isn't the answer to our question. I'll explain that. I mentioned to you before about Yaakov Avinu's worries as he lay on his deathbed. He saw children who were so different from one another and he was concerned. How could these children become one big unified nation? So the sons understood their father's worry and they consoled their father. Now listen to what they said because it's what we have to always be saying if we want to, be over, if we want to overcome this problem and, su- and succeed at Yechubar, it's kol hachayim, to be connected with all the living. They told Yaakov Avinu, there's nothing to worry about. Shema Yisrael, listen our father Yisrael. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God. Hashem Echad, all of us have one God. We might wear different hats and pronounce words differently. And we'll even argue sometimes. But we're all together, one nation, one God. He'll keep us together. He's the glue that keeps us together. We are all Avde Elokei Avicha. Despite our differences, we're all the servants of Hashem together. And when Yaakov heard that, he said, if notwithstanding all your differences, you'll be together forever. The Am Echad dedicated to Hashem Echad that will be a glory for Hashem. And I can go to the next world in peace. And so we're learning now that the solution, that the solution to our differences is the overriding knowledge that we're the Am Echad serving Hashem Echad. We're all one people and that's something we have to not just say, but to feel. It's very important for us to learn that. To love every part of the Olam Shomrei Torah, the Am Hashem, with all of our hearts. Now don't just say, I know that, I do that, because you don't do it. It takes work. It takes thinking and talking. You have to think about this whenever you see a fellow Jew who is different than you. He dresses different, he talks different, he davens different. You're almost sure he's from a, a different shevet. So you have to begin planting thoughts in your head. Think about the fact that he's a Shomer Mitzvah like you are. He's a brother in arms. We're all fighting together to maintain the Am Yisrael. We have a big army against us, enemies all around us. The Fry Yidin are all enemies with us. The irreligious Jews hate us very much. You should know that. The irreligious people hate the Frumi Yidin more than the Gentiles hate the Jews. Gemara Pesachim. It's a fact. We have to fight for our people and be the best of friends among ourselves because we're surrounded by enemies on all sides. Everybody wants to overcome us. And therefore, when we feel that we're all fighting together for one cause, for Hashem Echad, we're all marching together in the same regiment against the same enemies. So it's easier to have a love for your fellow Jew. And so now we have learned the necessity of identifying with the Am Yisrael of today. But you have to identify. If you are ashamed of your people, of any of the fruma, then you're not identifying. You have to be proud of all of your people. That's important. And who are your people? All of us. All the good Jews. Not the liberals. They don't belong to us. Not the reformers, no. They're not proud of us. And we're not proud of them. They want to be like Gentiles. They're all cut off. They're all cut off, Nebuch. Pity on them. It's a tragedy. What can we do? But we don't want to identify with them. 
don't, we don't identify with Ben Gurion and not with Herzl and not with anybody like him. Amcha means those who do the deeds of your people. That's what the Am Yisrael means. All the heroes that were not loyal to the Torah don't exist for us. We limit our love to those who serve Hashem, those who love Hashem, because that is the only glue that binds the Am Yisrael together, despite our differences. We identify with all observant Jews, whether they're Jews in Teman or in Lakewood or in Lubavitch or B'nai Brak or in Borough Park or in Baltimore. Wherever they are, we identify with them. Whether they're Sephardi Jews, whether they're Syrian Jews, whether they're Egyptian Jews, all Jews that are loyal to the Torah, that's our people. That's the Amechad. And we have to identify with them. It's important. You can't feel like he's a stranger. A Galistener can't think, I'm a stranger to a Hungarian Jew. No, we're not strangers to anybody if they're loyal Jews. It's very important for us to learn that. So now the Temanim come with their robes and their turbans and the Jews come, let's say, from Canada with black hats. Some would come in with top hats yet. Some still wear top hats on Yontif, silk hats. A man wearing a top silk hat and another man wearing a turban look at each other with the greatest respect. That's my brother, another Shevet. All Shifteka, holy people. Oh, now we're talking. Because even though we all have our differences and our own lives, there always remains this glue of service of Hashem that binds us together in this kinship of brotherhood. It's much more than a bloodline. It's a real bond, a bond of the mind, something that actually ties us together. We're not merely connected to each other by blood, by DNA. A fellow Jew is a brother who is Amitecha. As Chazal tells us that Achicha means Achicha b'mitzvahs, your brother in mitzvahs. It's not merely a brother of the same ancestor, it's a brother of the same mind, with the same ideals and attitudes. He's your brother in arms. Among ourselves, we have to be the best of friends because no matter where you are, you could be a Jew in Australia, Satmar in Williamsburg, or a Jew in Tel Aviv. We're all in this world for one purpose, to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When we feel that we're all fighting together for one cause, to serve Hashem, we're all marching together in the same regiment. So it's much easier to have a love for your fellow men. How much of an affection are you supposed to feel for brothers who are of one mind with you? All the Kehilas, even the modern Orthodox, who are far away from what we consider the great ideals of Avodah Hashem, are our brothers, absolutely. If a Jew is showing me mitzvahs, he tries to keep the mitzvahs, then even though he doesn't exactly do everything the way we do it, he's still a brother. If he doesn't do Avedas, I don't care what kind of yarmulke he wears. If he wears a knitted yarmulke, or if he wears something else, he's still my brother. Even a small little yarmulke, so he's a moide bemixes, but he's still one of ours. A person who keeps taharas mishpacha, who eats kosher, he sends his children to yeshiva and not public school. He's Shomer Shabbos. He has mezuzahs on his door. So a person like that is our brother. And don't make any mistake about it. And you love him like any other Jew. Now don't mosquito me. I'm not saying that the modern... I'm sorry. Don't misquote me. I'm not saying that the modern Orthodox man has to be your brother in the sense that you'll move into the same house as him. 
It doesn't mean that you should associate with him if you don't have to. That's something else altogether. If your brother has the flu, you don't want to be close to him because it's contagious. But if you still love him, but you still love him no less, over here in this place, we we say that we want to associate only with the best ones because we want to be the best. But when you see another from Jew on the street, any from Jew, he's your brother in the most literal sense of the word. And you have a mitzvah of You have a mitzvah to love him. That's how to think about your fellow Jew. And even though he follows a different rabbi or a different set of political objectives, nevertheless, don't lose sight of the fact that fundamentally he belongs to your people and that therefore you're obligated to think well of him, to recognize him as your brother and to love him. That's what is meant. A person's mind always should be united. This means joined with the minds of other people. Kesubus. Now this I mentioned here more than once. That it doesn't mean you have to yield when someone is doing something wrong. It doesn't mean you should stand down when someone is doing sins. But when you happen to like one thing and somebody else is enthusiastic about something else. And you have no interest in that thing. Don't belittle it. Try to agree with people. Always try to see things from the other man's side. Your mind is different. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to keep your mind. And his mind is different. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants him to keep his mind. But Hashem brought you together now just for the purpose of benefiting the both of you. That's the shlemus of both of you. So if you walk in the streets... And you see Jewish boys with yarmulkes and black hats coming out of the yeshivas or buses carrying children to yeshivas. So your heart should overflow with happiness. You're looking at your people. Or you see a group of from girls dressed with sneers coming out of the base Yaakov schools walking with decency and wearing long skirts. It's a pleasure to see. Your heart is full of happiness to see the Amis, the Amashem. You walk through blocks and blocks and see fathers and with children going to the base Knesset. And you love to see it. Your heart swells with pride and happiness. You love your people. Hashem wants that. Some people are so happy when they see Jews. They, they just weep with joy when they see the Jewish people. My people, Ami. I'll tell you a little story. There was a boy in Chicago, a true story. I won't say his name, but today he's an important personality. He lived in a Gentile neighborhood. He was a young boy and his heart yearned for his people. So one day he got up, took a long walk to the east side of Chicago, to the Jewish neighborhood. And as he saw a Jewish child walking in the street, he bursted into tears. This boy burst into tears. He was so emotionally happy. Ah, my people. He felt connected to his people. A boy like that is headed towards not, is headed towards not just people. He's headed towards HaKadosh Baruch That's why it does you very good to walk through Borough Park. Big mezuzahs, one after the other. Blocks and blocks of Jewish houses. And you're thinking as you walk. I'm walking among my people. It's my people and I love them. I don't care what hat he wears. Or what group he belongs to. It's all my people. You can't even imagine what an opportunity you're missing by not making use of this feeling of ava, of brotherly camaraderie that is available to you all the time. 
The next time you walk into shul and you see the Am Yisrael gathering to daven to Hashem, you should put your mind to work. This is my nation, my brothers, and we all share the common purpose of serving Hashem. And when you're shopping in the kosher supermarket and it's crowded and the lines are long, those are precious moments. You're looking down the aisles and all you could see are your brothers and sisters, women, men and children, all buying kosher food. That's a nation dedicated with a single, singular heart to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The whole Am Yisrael has but one heart devoted to their Father in Heaven. Gemara Sukkah. It's not just poetry. That's actually the greatness of the Am Yisrael. It binds us as brothers. Now this is not a small thing that you heard tonight. It's a career. You have to be serious, of course. You have to not only hear it. Hearing it is very important but you have to try to practice it. Now, even though you do it a little bit, it's a tremendous achievement. If you'll think once a week about it, once a week for two minutes, on the subject of, ach- of achieving a certain respect and love for kol achayim, for all of your fellow Jews, then you know that you came to this world for a purpose. Now, all this might seem a little queer for those who don't know their purpose in the world. So when you go outside later, they'll ask you, What did Rabbi Miller speak about tonight? So you'll say, he told us to love our fellow Jew. They'll all laugh at you. What's the Kiddush? Who doesn't know that? But the truth is, who does it? Who thinks about it? If he loves, he loves. If not, what could he do already? He's putter, he thinks. But no, we're learning tonight that you have to work on loving the Am Yisrael with an intense love. And you'll do it by first of all recognizing that we're an Amechad. You have a big career ahead of you because when it says, it doesn't mean that you should tolerate him or even that you should get along with him. It means that you should generate an Ava, a love, a real love for your fellow Jew. You have to understand how far away we really are from even beginning such an avoid. Of course, we're willing to say that we agree with the idea. Maybe someday we'll even come around to it, but we won't. You won't come around to it unless you start doing something about it. And when a person begins to understand that and feel a little bit of love for all of his fellow Oivdeh Hashem, then he has achieved the perfection that Hashem expected from him since the day since that day many years ago when he prepared 12 separate springs in Elim for the Am Yisrael. It's the perfection of choosing for yourself the good from all the Shavuotim as well as the perfection of feeling a love, a real affection for all those different than you. And those two methods of Shleimus are the main purpose of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought you into this world of the 12 different Shavuotim. Have a wonderful Shabbos.